fire. Let your healing come. Let your healing come to me. As I bow my knee, sing your perfect peace. Sing your perfect peace, Lord. As I lift my hands, let your healing come. Let your healing come to me. As I bow my
1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, we truly are a, a set-free people. Um, God has called us out of the slavery of sin and death. And one of the amazing things about this meal that Jesus took with his disciples is he took it in the context of Passover. The Passover meal, which was something from generation to generation in the Jewish tradition, was taken, first of all, as a reminder of what God had set them free from, that he had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. But, but it wasn't just an intellectual reminder. It was also a walking out of their freedom. It was every year, over and over again, saying, walking out this freedom, the fact that they are a liberated, a free people. And so when Jesus took this in the Passover meal, he reinterpreted this in light of his death and resurrection. Because not only are we a, are we a people who've been delivered from slavery in Egypt, and we're part of that tradition, but we've been set free from sin and death itself. We've been liberated. So as we come to the table every week, over and over again, we are walking out the fact that we are a freedom people. We are people who have been called out. Let's, uh, let's say our prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Lord, today we lift up our hearts as we come to the table. And some of us may find ourselves in slavery to sin or, or to addiction. Or, and all of us in some way are. Uh, or then also we look at the world around us. And we look at a world that is often enslaved to injustice and to sin and to brokenness. But Lord, we also see a world that's groaning and longing for redemption. So Lord, as we come to the table, we have in mind what's going on maybe in our own lives, maybe in our relationships, or maybe throughout the world. And we remind ourselves that we're a free people, a people who have been called out because of your grace. We trust you, Lord. In the name of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, amen. As we come to the table today, as always, we ask you to come starting with the first row and moving backwards. Take a, a piece of the bread, dip it into either the grape juice, which is the clear liquid, or the wine, which is red. Uh, let's take in this meal of grace together. Secret. 
like the morning breeze and you When the world is shaking and nothing stands, I hold on to your hand. Refuse. Your call comes like the Shadow 
good to be with you today. Turn to one another, greet each other with grace and peace, and you can have a seat. Well, good morning, Sanctuary. How are you this morning? Good, good, good to hear it. Um, you can take a minute now as we continue in our worship in giving. You can prepare your giving, your tithes and offerings today. If you are a guest with us, if you are here for the first time, we hope that you have felt embraced and loved here and already felt the Holy Spirit at work. Um, you can take, you should have received a bulletin when you came in. We would love it to know a little bit more about you and, and that you were here this morning. And so you could take the bulletin and tear off the card. There is a first-time guest card there. Fill that out for us and drop it in the offering bucket. That would be wonderful. Um, we are really excited. A lot of exciting things going on at Sanctuary right now. We've been talking about this Awaken Workshop, which is this Saturday right here from 10 a.m. to noon. And basically what we're looking at is trying to help you find your purpose within the midst of God's great story. We'll be using some, uh, some tools to uh, unpack that, the Myers-Briggs personality type inventory we're going to be using and, and kind of identifying particular personality types and combinations. Um, and so we will have that there that morning. Um, also, as we talk about these different personality types, uh, Pastor Ed is going to be talking about all the different types and kind of how they relate to our lives in general. I'm then going to look at how these different personalities and the way that God has wired us um, actually speak to spiritual disciplines that we participate in. How there are some that we tend to lean more towards naturally because of our personality and some that are a little bit of a stretch, but they help us grow for us to lean into those more intentionally. And then my dad, Pastor Brent, is going to be talking about how these personality types can be helpful in thinking about even our career that we've chosen and our service in the church and our relationships. So we're really excited about that today is the last day to sign up for that. Obviously, there are three different ways to do that. You can take this connections card and mark uh, the Awaken workshop and your name and email address there and drop it in the offering bucket. You can sign up online at sanctuarytulsa.com. I did it the other day and it's like two or three clicks. It's really easy to sign up that way. Or you can sign up at our connections booth out in the lobby. And so we would love to have you there. It just, we need, need to be able to get a head count for childcare and just a, a sense of who is gonna be, be there. So really excited about the Awaken workshop. Also, we've been talking to you a little bit about our family meeting that we had planned for February 12th. This is a way for us to uh, talk a little bit more as a staff about some of the things that are going on in the church as far as a financial update and what's to come for us in the new year. Well, that February 12th date has been preempted by the Grammy Awards, actually, because, and I'll tell you why, uh, Michael Gunger and David Gunger have been nominated for a Grammy. So yes, isn't that awesome? And Pastor Ed and Gail um, have the opportunity to go to the awards, and we wanted to allow them the opportunity to do that. And so we decided to go ahead and reschedule the family meeting to the 26th. That will still be a Sunday night, the 26th, and we're excited about that. If this is your home church, we would love to have you there on the 26th. Let's pray together um, as we get ready for our offering. Lord, um, we are so thankful to be part of community. Lord, thank you that you chose to put us in families and in communities, Lord, that we're not meant to do life alone. 
And Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing in this family of faith, the way your Holy Spirit is at work, the way that you're speaking to us, the new life that really has been, been breathed into your church. So Lord, today we choose to, as, as we continue our worship, to give of our tithes and offerings to you simply as a participation, part of our participation in your kingdom moving forward. Lord, we trust you in everything, and we thank you for who you are, that your heart for us is good. We love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Ladies, join me Tuesday night, 630, here at the gathering space for Bunko. Bring food, bring a friend, come by yourself, come from work, do whatever. Uh, we start Bunko at 6.30, and we play until I win. So um, you can pop in and out if you just have a half an hour, an hour to be with us. Come join us. It is not gambling. I don't care what people say. It is not gambling. Um, but please come join us. We will have prizes, and we'd love to have you involved. If you have a child that is age 0 to 5, even if you have older kids, we want you involved in our MOPS program. MOPS meets every other Wednesday. It really is support to support moms in a challenging time of life. I have husbands say to me, I want my wife to go to MOPS because she's happier when she comes home. And so please be involved. Make sure you read your bulletin. We have lots of great things going on. Uh, Financial Peace University is starting. There's a lot of great things going on. And that connection card is how we hear from you. So feel free to fill that out, turn it in, or email us. But we want to hear from you and we want to answer questions that you have. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? As I was heading out of the 9 o'clock service and heading over to the 10 o'clock service, I was on the Creek Turnpike, and, and uh, we happened to live right off of the Yale exit. And so as I was driving, what did I do? I just started exiting. <laughs> um, I was fortunately able to pull it back before I wrecked everybody around me. But, uh, you know, we are... We are formed by habits in our life. Uh, we are conditioned creatures. We do things over and over again. And if they're good, healthy things, they form us in a healthy way. If we do things that are not so good, then we form in a not-so-healthy way. So every time we stand up at the beginning of a service like this and speak our creed together, something is actually forming in us. It's not just the words. We're not just doing something as a ritual in a church service. But something is, is actually happening in us. And... I don't know about you, but I would like to be formed by these things and not just driving my car off an exit that I'm, that I'm used to driving. And so let's, let's speak these things that we stand for and believe. We believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. 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 Be seated. Over Christmas, we had a, a really good friends of ours give us a, a, a couple of nights away. And they had given us this brochure of this little cabin in the woods um, close to a lake here in Oklahoma. And we were just anxious to get away. And there was a little pine lodge and 
fireplace and a little jacuzzi on the back porch, and, and they were just telling us how secluded it was. And, and so we headed off for this a couple of weeks ago. And if you've ever gone to a, a lake in Oklahoma, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find that once you get to the lake, there's some really incredible houses and properties and so forth right on the lake. But getting to the lake, sometimes some of the places look a little suspect. Uh, have you noticed that? <laughs> they aren't quite as nice. And we were driving in this particular place we were going to. Um, we went through this little region where these houses looked like, we weren't sure that people actually lived in, in them anymore. And it's kind of looked like abandoned trailers. And, and we drove by a couple places that looked like they ought to be on the hoarders show. And... Um, <laughs> So we were kind of worried a little bit. It's like, okay, you know, you know how brochures are. You know, sometimes it didn't quite match up. And so um, we kept driving, and we finally got to this place where it started looking a little bit more like what um, we thought the brochure looked like. But once we got there, it, it, uh, we saw these little lodges and, and little cabins, and there were quite a few of them right together. And, you know, it being winter and no leaves on the trees, it looked like, okay, this isn't going to be the most private, but these are nice, you know, it'll be, we'll, have, have, we'll have a great time. And so we started noticing that there were names of people on each cabin, and so we didn't see our name, and so we called the lady that's the manager, and she came over and, and said, where are we supposed to be? And she said, oh, follow me. And so she started driving down another little road, and we kind of went a little farther into the woods and, and came aco- across this little cabin totally isolated by itself, and we had an aha. Ah, this is what we were looking for. That's what epiphany is about. That's what we've been talking about this month, these ahas, these discoveries, these things that we begin to find out, things about us, things that God's put in us that maybe we weren't aware of yet, that those things become a little bit more alive in our life. Or maybe we find something that he wants us to be about that maybe we haven't yet um, discovered yet. And so we're on an adventure this month uh, um, towards epiphanies, towards ahas, and hope that uh, you'll begin to discover those things in your life. One of the ahas that we see in Scripture is in John, John 21. And it's after Jesus has died and after the resurrection, but the disciples aren't yet clear what they're going to do or what this looks like. Jesus had been appearing to them, but but they just really didn't know what their life was going to be. They'd given up their whole lives to follow him. And he died, and now he's resurrected, but we don't have clear direction in where we're supposed to go. What do we do with ourselves? You know, I was a fisherman before I started him. I was this before I started him. So we pick it up in, in John 21, verse 3, when the disciples are going, okay, what do we do with ourselves? I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, because it's what he knew to do. He went back to what he knew to do. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Professional fishermen, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Here they are toiling all night long, professional fishermen. And all of a sudden, someone speaks to them, do this instead. And they had this miraculous, fruitful experience. And they go, 
aha, it's the Lord. That's who's directing us and telling us what to do. I don't know about you, but I think most of us, if Jesus were to come to us and say, instead of doing that, I want you to start doing this um, and said it verbally to us, we'd probably do that, wouldn't we? Most of us, I would, if it was that clear. The challenge is most of the time it's not, we're getting, it's kind of loud up here. Um, most of the time that's not quite the way it works. It's not quite that easy and we're still trying to decipher what it is exactly that God wants us to do. Uh, when we first came to ORU many years ago, uh, before there was electricity on campus, uh, that's when we showed up. And uh, it, we would not, in our wildest imagination, thought that we were going to be doing what we're doing now. That is, that was not anywhere in our vision. I'm from Indiana originally, and my plans as a senior in high school, I was going to go to Indiana University, and I was going to study law. That was my plan for my life. So I was making all the applications, uh, preparing for that, and my grandparents took a trip out west. Now, when you're from Indiana, and you think about Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'd never been west of the Mississippi. Tulsa was like western towns and tumbleweed. and that, I mean, that was kind of the vision that we had in our mind. And so my parents went out west, or my grandparents went out west. And they actually went way out west. They went to uh, the Grand Canyon and several different places. But they came back through the campus at ORU. Now, you have to understand the time that this was in. This was in the early 70s. The Vietnam War was just wrapping up, and there had been tension in our country um, and around the world in significant ways. Most college campuses, there was a lot of rioting, a lot of unrest. We had these peace sit-ins all over the place. Uh, some of you might have remembered those experiences. Um, the original grunge look, you know this grunge look thing that's been out recently? That's the, that's, we had the original, okay? Uh, the Flower Children movement and all of that in the late 60s and early 70s. And... Um, they come across Oral Roberts University, and it's like, oh, my gosh, look, these girls are in dresses, and these guys have their hair cut, and we're walking around in ties and suits, and they had an aha. And they grabbed a catalog and brought it back to me as a, as a senior in high school. Now, you have to understand, I was raised in an American Baptist church. I did not know who Oral Roberts was. I had never heard of him before. I sat down with this catalog. I don't know how to describe it. I did not hear an audible voice. It was not written on my closet wall, but I had an aha. I started reading the body, mind, and spirit concept and the principles of ORU, and something in me said, I'm supposed to go there. That's where you need to go. I didn't know anybody west of the Mississippi. I didn't, I'd never been to Tulsa. I didn't know anybody that had ever been to ORU. Knew nothing about it. So I chose to take this catalog to my pastor. And I wanted to get his feedback on this. And so he looked at it for a few minutes. The only question he asked me was, well, what do you think Oral Roberts' stand is on peace? I said, well, I think he's for it. Um, and he goes, well, great. Sounds like a great place to me. So I end up coming to ORU. Now, it's a little bit longer story than that. But I end up landing at, at ORU, still planning on pursuing law. That was what I thought I was to do with my life. And you had a couple of different routes that you could do pre-law in, and I chose a business route. And so here I am going, getting a business degree. I'm sorry, businessmen that are here, I had no aha experiences in my business classes, okay? 
But I was a good little soldier. I was studying. I got good grades. I was getting this degree. Had no idea what I was going to do with it. Had no revelations of anything. Um, didn't quite get how that was going to connect the law. Didn't Anyway, had some head-scratching moments, but I was going along and doing it. Became an, a resident advisor. That's basically kind of in charge of a certain wing or a certain floor. And um, a lot of the resident advisors at that particular time, because we had to do hair checks then, we were kind of like the Gestapo. And so the, the RAs were the, kind of the bad guys. And, and, uh, but, but I kind of stepped into a different role. I started having guys come to me and just tell me their story. Tell me what they were struggling with, that they were dealing with this in their life or that in their life or this in a relationship. And something began to happen in those discussions. There was a connection. They started bringing other guys to me and saying, somebody else needs to talk to somebody. Can, well, can, can I bring them and talk to you? And something began to change in, in, in my life and thinking about the future. Then one night, I got a call from um, my parents back in Indiana. And they told me that my older brother was going through a divorce. Now, in my family, I didn't know of anybody that had ever been divorced. This was the first time that, that we in our, for, for generations, had ever had anybody go through a divorce. And I remember talking to my brother on the phone, and, and over a couple of days, something began to stir in me. God began to say, I, I want you to take your nets and put it, instead of on this side of the boat, I want you to put it on that side of the boat. And I want you to be about repairing broken people. That's what you're supposed to spend your life doing. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that meant. But the next day, I was at the admissions office and said, what's the degree to repair broken people? Um, and so I, I added another major. I was almost finished with the business degree, and I was wondering, why in the world? Was that a waste of time? What was I doing with that business degree? I went ahead and finished that, added a whole, another major. I said, how can I finish this in four years and figured out how to stack it all up and, and do it and... And uh, went ahead and finished another degree there, then ultimately um, went on in graduate work and, and uh, repairing the broken people degree type things. And uh, um, But God said to me in these aha moments, instead of putting your net on this side of the boat, put your net on that side of the boat. There's an author that I used to love in the late 70s and early 80s named Ann Ortland, and she wrote a lot of books for women, and she would talk about when there was a big change in her life, there would be like an explosion. Like she'd go along this path, and then there was this explosion, and it was either a change of, of direction or a change of emphasis or a change of in energy, and, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, yes, I've had some of those explosions and some of those ahas, but I've also had a lot of, I'm going this direction, and it just feels right to kind of veer this way or that way. It's not always a dramatic aha. It's a quiet aha that evolves over time, kind of like fog starting to disappear. And um, I started thinking about the whole title that we've talked about, Awaken, for this series. What well, kind of reminds me of how we wake up. You know, there's some mornings, especially me at my age, that is like, bing, I'm awake, ready to take on the day. There's no more going back to sleep. You know, I'm, I'm right there. But then there's other mornings where you just kind of are barely aware that there's life out there and where you're at, and you just gradually come awake. I think that's how God works in our lives. Sometimes it's a pizzazz, and sometimes it's a, oh, okay, that's where I'm supposed to go. And I saw quite a few of those in my life. I came to ORU and uh, planned on going into TV news. At that point, Barbara Walters was on the news, 
Jane Polly had just graduated from college, and so she was on the news, and it was a huge thing. We have a woman on TV doing the news. I mean, it was just shocking. We'd had Walter Cronkite for years, and now we're adding women in this. And so I was going to be the next Jane Polly. And so I went to school, um, and uh, we had, I was a TV major, communications major, emphasis in TV. And so we would have these projects to do, and you had to learn to run camera and edit and that kind of thing. Well, I would work deals with people and go, tell you what, you run camera on this project, and I'll be your talent. And so... I, <laughs> And it was interesting because people that were behind the scenes people did not want to be on the camera. So it worked great for all of us. I didn't get really great at the technical things, but I did a lot of talk shows in those four years. And so I really loved it, and I thought I found what I was supposed to do until the summer between my junior and senior year, and I did an internship at a TV station. And I found out what it was like to get an entry-level job at a TV station. It is not, hi, here I am on the evening news. It is, back then we had huge cameras, and you had to pull the cables for the cameraman. And so it was pulling cables. We edited film, and so you'd spend hours in a dark room editing film. It was going out to shoot commercials and having to carry heavy bags. You, like, had to earn your dues to get to be the star. <laughs> um, and the hours were terrible. When you started... You either did the 5 a.m. show or you did the late night show. The hours were terrible. The pay was terrible. And then they told me at that point, if you were going to get ahead, you needed to move every year because you had to move from market to market to really go up. And so they said, you need to really think about whether you want to get married or not because you need to be able to move, and it's whether your husband would move every year with you. And by the way... You really can only be in this career until you're 30 or 35 because then you're going to be too old to pursue it, and we really don't have anybody on TV that's over 35. So it was a little bit discouraging, to say the least. Well, we knew that Brent was going to go to grad school and got married right after graduation, and so we were like, okay, let's go ahead and get you through grad school. I'll work at a job till we get you through grad school, and then we can decide whether we want me to start doing TV and we can travel around or whatever we want to do after you get your degree. So Brent started his degree. I started working at ORU in financial aid and then admissions, and he got his degree, and, or he started to get his degree first semester, and he was commuting to Stillwater. There were no grad schools in Tulsa in counseling at that point. And so he started commuting to Stillwater, and he would come back after the first couple weeks with these textbooks, and they were awesome, and I loved them. And so I started reading his textbooks, and then he would be writing a paper, and I'm like, how cool is it to write a paper on that? This sounds like such a fun degree. I think maybe I want to do that too. And we could drive back and forth and be together the whole time. So um, we approach OSU, and, and we apply. I apply as a special student because I was a TV major. I didn't have the prerequisites, you know, to do this. So I applied as a special student, and they let me in the program, and we went to classes together, and I loved it. We both loved talking about it all together and working on it all together. Well, I kept going through the program, and somehow I kept slipping through the cracks. And finally, they approached me, the, the dean of the school, and said, um, you're over halfway through the program, and you are still a special student. We need you to either become degree-seeking or get out. And they said, the problem is you don't have any of the prerequisites. 
you have a lot of undergrad work that needs to be done before you can be in this program. And so I was like, well, could you maybe like make an exception for me on that? And they took it to the committee and they said, you know what? You've already done really well in the classes that you needed the prerequisites for, so it seems kind of silly to have you go backwards and take it. So yeah, go ahead. So I finished the degree with Brent and um, never thought I'd use it. I thought, what's it hurt to have a master's degree? You know, I can have MS after my name and it never hurts to have a master's degree, but I'm not going to be a counselor because I'm not that personality. You know, counselors are calm and quiet and peaceful and it just doesn't fit me. So um, I, I'm not going to be a counselor. So I went on with my life. I, I started to have kids. I had Preston, and someone approached me and said, the Lord's spoken to me and said that you are to be women's chaplain at ORU. And I said, no, he didn't. <laughs> and they said, yes, he did. And the open, there's an opening here, and we would like you to apply. And I said, no, that's just wrong on so many levels. Um, first of all, I have a baby. I don't have to work. I don't want to work. Second of all, women's chaplain is somebody that's really sweet, and I'm not, and somebody really spiritual. And I had this idea, it was like this ooh, kind of spiritual person, and I said, I am a really down-to-earth kind of basic person, and I just don't fit what you're looking for. And they're like, yes, you do. You're exactly who we want. I was like, okay, I'll go through the interviews. So I go through the first interview, and they're like, yes, we want you. And I'm like, no, you don't. Will you go to another interview? Okay. They were like, yes, we want you. No, I don't. No, you don't. So finally, we got to the last interview, and they were like, we really do want you, and we really feel like this is God, that you are in this. And I was like, no, it's not. And then I went home, and the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, it is. And I was like, what about Preston? And he said, if I call you to do something, it's not only best for you, it's best for Preston. You need to obey, and you need to do this. It changed my life. That counseling degree I was never going to use, I used constantly. I was doing counseling all the time. I loved it. I was in women's lives. I was up in the dorm day and night involved in things. I was planning women's activities. I loved every part of it. It was an aha explosion that changed my life. But if I'd listened to me, I would have missed it entirely. God has some of those explosion points in our lives. In the midst of all this, um, I was a dorm director right after we graduated from ORU, and, and we always say that Janice lived her first married year of life with 700 men, and uh, unique experience. And so the, uh, yes, um, and so I was there for a couple of years, and then I just felt like it was time to leave. I hadn't yet finished up my degree, was still working on that. And I needed something that was flexible. And the dean of men at the time was a buddy of mine, and he was leaving at the same time. And he was actually, of all things, starting a building business. He was going to build houses and do remodeling. He said, Brent, come and do this with me. And I said, what? I said, I don't, I don't know anything about that. He said, I'll train you. He said, I've known, I've known how to do this for years. He said, I'll train you. And so we stepped, I stepped into that while I was finishing up my degree. And so I had a lot of head-scratching moments. What am I doing? I had this business degree, and I'm finishing up this master's degree, and, and counseling, and, and now I'm building stuff. 
and uh, we were remodeling a church at the time. Now, I have to say something at this particular point, because when we do marriage seminars, Brent talks a lot about how the Lord convicted him of attitudes that he had and how he had to really repent. Well, um, we had a time at this particular point. We were just finishing graduate school. We'd been working day and night, both working full-time, commuting to Stillwater, going to grad school. Um, In construction business, Brent would work until dark, and at one point, we needed a new roof on our house, and it was in the middle of winter, and Brent decided he was going to re-roof the house after he got home from work at night when it was dark. I think you're telling him and way, way cold. too much information. And so <laughs> he, he put up lights, floodlights on the top of our roof, and he re-roofed our house at night. Now that I think about it, The neighbors must have been so mad at us. Can you imagine? I was going to go to sleep, but these dumb kids next door are roofing their house in the dark. But all that to say, we, we, we paid our dues. We went through a lot during that time. We worked hard. We were just about to finish our degrees. And I'm like, yay, now he gets to be a counselor. All this hard work is going to pay off. And he came to me and he said, I really feel like I'm supposed to stay in the building business longer. And you know how sweet I am. I said, no, you're not. And that is not God. I married you to be a marriage counselor. I've paid my dues. It is time for you to get out there and find a job. We've only had like a couple things in all the 34 years that we've been married that we really have seen things totally opposite. And this was one of those times. And I was mad. I was probably a little bit bratty. And the Lord spoke to me very sweetly and just said, I'm going to take care of you. I know what I'm doing. I'm guiding you. I'm directing you. I'm going to take care of you. Just relax. And then he said, go repent. You know, when a person says you need to repent, it's like, no, I don't. I don't need to. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says repent, there's that, yes, I do. And so I'm pretty sure I repented to Brent. And um, I just said, you know what? This is not what I think is right, but I trust God in the midst of this, and I know that he is going to take care of us. And so I'm going to trust him whether you are in business the rest of your life or not. Back where I was at in my story, um, <laughs> is I, was, I was remodeling a church here, and, uh, and I was standing on the stage that I was building, and it was something like this, and uh, uh, now I had gotten, we'd actually started going to that church, and the pastors knew me from ORU, and we'd gotten to know them, and they approached me and said, we want you to come on staff with us, and it was like, okay, okay. like like to do what? I mean, why? I mean, there was something interesting in me, because I didn't really plan on being a builder the rest of my life, and uh, you know what it was that intrigued them about me? First of all, they knew that I could do remodeling stuff, and I ended up overseeing many of their building projects. They bought another building and did expansions, and they thought I could help them with that. But they also needed to bring all their finances in-house. They were looking for somebody to oversee that, and they wanted to start a counseling ministry. Now, who in the world has a building background, has a counseling degree, and has a business degree? Um, God knew what he was doing. He put all those pieces together in all of my moments of head scratching and going, what am I doing? Did I waste my time doing that and doing that and doing that? I ended up being at that church for 17 years. Uh, within a couple of years, I had another aha. 
And that was the, the call to be a pastor, um, of, of really being stepping into that role in a greater way. Went on to get some further theological training, and, and uh, something began to change, this idea of how to repair broken people. Our church grew to about 5,000 people and became the senior associate there and, and would have never thought that would have ever happened in the midst of all those head-scratching moments. Um, we, of course, then left there um, 12, almost 13 years ago, started the Life Connection. And then, of course, you know, last October what happened is now we're blended with Sanctuary and we're on a new adventure. But the point of all this is not to just talk about our life and our background. The point of this is God uses everything you're going through, every single piece of your life, whatever it is that you're experiencing right now, he's going to use it. And he does not waste anything. He will take difficult, good, head-scratching stuff. He will piece that together and put those things to form what he has for you. He will get you where you need to go if you keep um, su submitting your life to him. So whatever you're facing today, submit that to him, whether it's a good thing, whether it's a difficult thing, um, and he's the one that will put it, uh, put it together for you. Because remember, who you are is more important than what you do. Wherever you're at right now, God wants to use that to form your character, to help you grow in your personal life, in your gifts, in your relationship with others. He's orchestrating where you're at. And even though it may look like I do not know how in the world I am going to get from here over to here that I really feel like God's telling me I'm going to be, he can do it. Trust him. Stay where you are and allow him to move you and guide you until you know, aha, this is where I'm supposed to go. He's doing something in your life right where you're at. Now, that doesn't mean we just sit there and go, okay, I'm just going to kill time until God moves me into something else. No, you work hard at what you're doing. Those very skills that you're learning right now, you may not, not know it, but you're going to need them 20 years from now in some way. So you work hard and you're faithful at what you do. If you know you're called to go into some other field, Spend your time studying about that. Go to seminars, read books, work on it, be growing. And spend some time really knowing who you are, who God has made you to be, the gifts and the talents that he's placed within you. That's why I'm so excited about the Waken Workshop this weekend because we're really going to look at what are some of those things that God implanted in you that maybe you haven't used yet but he wants to use at some other point in your life. He's orchestrating your life. He's working things together for good. And oftentimes he is working in the background when you don't even see it, where you don't even have any idea of what he's doing. Another element of this is just um, gaining a greater understanding of yourself. And there's a principle, there's a communication principle that helps us kind of look at this discovery process. It helps us see uh, a little bit of who we are, um, and it's called the Jahari window. Now, the very first time I studied this, I thought, Jahari, is that like a special Greek word or something? Um, and it's actually just a combination between the two guys' first name. It's Joseph and Harry, okay? And so it's not anything real special. But this Jahari window, if we could put that up there, um, shows the correlation between what am I aware of in my life 
and what are others aware of? Um, has four windows, known to self and known to others, known to self, um, known to others, or not known to self, uh, known to others, and so forth. And it gives us some interesting insight into who we are and what we're about. The first window is the open window, uh, known to self and known to others. This is what I have, I'm aware of, but and then through either self-disclosure or observation, you're aware of about me. We consider this to be the healthiest place to live. Uh, we are going to be more vital and vibrant as an individual. We're going to be healthier in relationships. And we're going to be able to step into that that God has called us to. That's, again, why we do these things like this, like this workshop coming up. Um, the next area is not known to self, but known to others. And this is our blind spot. This is a scary spot, to be honest with you. This is what you know about me, but I don't yet know. I went through a time many years ago, and Janice has already revealed to you, thank you very much, um, kind of my schizophrenic life, okay, and all the different things that I try to pack into my life, and, and uh, um, we have a practice that we do here as well, and uh, in, in town, and the church, and all the different pieces, and, and many years ago, I ran f- just smack dab into a wall and recognized that I truly was a workaholic. Um, it, it was no different than any of the other aholics. Uh, mine was my drug of choice was just more socially acceptable because uh, I got applauded for all this hard work. But I had gotten into a rut of where I had found my value in what I did. And so the harder I worked, the better I did it, the, the more I got positive feedback from others made me a good person. And I was absolutely blind to it, but I was becoming a very miserable creature. And I remember a moment, without going into all that story, I remember a moment where God was starting to reveal some things in me and kind of show me myself. And I was sitting down and talking with a group of people, and they happened to be some of the counselors uh, that we had trained, some of the lay counselors in the church that we were operating, the church ministry. And uh, I was just sharing with them what God was doing in my life. And there, were, there was a couple, and this couple were both recovering alcoholics. They'd been in recovery for years, and they, read, they ran one of our recovery groups. It was kind of before Celebrate Recovery, if you've heard of that. It was before that was ever even on the planet, and it was a similar kind of thing. And as I was sharing my story, I just, story, I just noticed that they, were, they both were kind of welling up with, in, with tears and becoming very emotional, and I thought, well, that's kind of odd. And afterwards, I said, what's, what's going on, guys? And they said, I said, Brent, we are so excited about this. We have seen this in you for years. And we've been praying for you. It's a very humbling moment um, <laughs> where somebody else had seen clearly into my heart. Now, they were very respectful about it, but I was clueless. And so those areas can really limit us. It certainly did my life. And then the next area is what I'm aware of, but there is no way in the world that I'm going to let you know. It's my secret part of my life because I'm afraid that if you know the real me, then you might not like me. You might not think highly of me. This is an area that we have facades. We, we, put on, we wear masks. We try to protect ourselves. And it's like a poison that will begin to steal, kill, and destroy our life. Both of those areas, our blind spot and our secret spot, are things that, that limit us from our effectiveness in the kingdom. This last one is why James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. No, it doesn't say confess them to God there. Now, it certainly does in other parts of the scripture, but it says confess them to one another. Something about this confession, this openness, where I open my life up, 
And that is where we find ultimate healing and restoration. It's in the midst of those relationships. It takes a risk to step into those kinds of relationships where people can start speaking into your life and you can begin to open your life up to them. Now, this is not going to be a dozen or 20 people in your life. It'll probably be two or three or four people in your life. But I believe that's something that God wants for every single one of us. Now, people that are safe to do that with, we are not going to have a Sunday where you come in here and, you know, part of our, after we do the creed, we'll say, okay, now turn to your neighbor to the right and just tell your greatest secret, okay? Um, We will not do that. Don't do that. That would be stupid, okay? Um, But safe people, first of all, are people that are confidential, that when you talk to them, they're not going to talk to anybody else. Safe people are mature enough that they understand the grace of God in their life. So when grace is needed to be applied in your life, they don't don't look at you lesser. They don't consider you a second-class citizen, and now they're the teacher somehow. Um, They actually respect that. They're also going to encourage you and challenge you to to move forward in this and get the kind of help and, and whatever it is that you need to step beyond that that you're struggling with. Uh, we have these things called e-groups. We'll talk about them more at some point. And it was interesting in our men's um, group this last month, I was talking about e-groups, and somebody said, now, now what is, what's an e-group? Is that like where you email friends, and you're like friends on... I said, no, no, that's kind of the antithesis. Now, I understand why they got that, because we use email. It, e just stands for encouragement. <laughs> They're just encouragement groups, where, where when you begin to open your heart to people, then they will stand there with you. They get in the mud with you. They link arms with you. Um, they're going to hold your hands up if necessary. They'll encourage you. They'll challenge you. And they walk through that um, together. And so it's when we have that level of openness and that level of connectedness that we begin to come alive in our life. The fourth area that we have in the Jahari window is unknown to self and unknown to others. This is the God only knows what's in there, literally. This is where David says, Lord, search my heart and know me. Now, when I first learned this, I thought, ooh, maybe there's some deep, dark secrets lingering within me like the Loch Ness Monster that are going to come up at some point. But what I've learned over the years is oftentimes in all of our lives, those are the things that are untapped potential. God created this in you from the beginning of time when you were formed. But for some reason or another, it's never been revealed, either to you or to anyone else. And he wants that to come forth so that you can be everything that he created you to be, everything that he had in mind for you to be from the very beginning. And so part of what we want to do is really do some research so that we can find out who did God make me to be. That's why we're doing the instruments this weekend. That's why we're having the discussions this weekend. I want to be everything that God made me to be. And so our goal really is to make our open spot, our open area the bigger area because that's where we're more open to what God wants us to be. And that's when we're really going to grow and fulfill what he has called us to do. Now, we grow the most in community. You know, the idea of community wasn't just a new church idea that people came up with, you know, 10 years ago. Let's start talking about community, shall we? That was God's idea from the very beginning. Because we grow and we learn more about ourselves as we interact and we have close relationships with other people. I often say in college, I learned more living in the dorm with 30 girls than I ever did in my classes 
because I learned about me. I learned how to get along with other people. You know, roommates can show up some stuff in you that you didn't really want to see. And so we grow when we're in connection with other people. That's God's idea, is that we work together, that we link together, and that's where we find strength. Strength is in our unity, being who we're called to be and linking with somebody else, being who they're called to be, and then we're moving forward the kingdom of God. We think it's just a few people that are the strength of the body because they're stars, but it's not. It's us linking arms and being together in a community. If we look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. And we were given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? This next verse is really powerful. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that, it, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is, is a part of it. As Janice said, in Christendom, we have a tendency to think of kind of these special characters, the Billy Grahams, the Oral Roberts, maybe your favorite author that really inspires you. But those are really the most significant people in the body. And the rest of us are just filler people. You know, we just kind of fill in the gaps someplace. But the scripture suggests something very different than that. Um, that each person is made in the image. That you're made in the image of the real deal. The real article. You're part of that nature. The challenge is in most bodies, those parts that are not quite as demonstrative or outgoing don't quite know where, where they're supposed to fit, and that we give greater honor to those that are, that are more outward. Again, the scripture says just the opposite should happen. Those of us that have a tendency to have a chance to get a grab the microphone and speak, and you kind of have to sit here and listen to us, uh, we don't need special treatment. This church is not about you coming to help Ed and Gail Gunger and Brent and Janice Sharp fulfill our purpose in the kingdom. It's not what you're here for. We are here to help you come alive. And every little part and piece that you are to be individually, in your relationships, and in the kingdom. And that's why we do these things like this Saturday, so that we can help all of us discover what peace we are and how do we step into that 
in a, in a more significant way. At the end of John 21, after they've had this huge fish catch and they've come into the shore and Jesus has fed them breakfast and they've spent some time with him and, and Jesus goes to Peter, Peter who had just not that many days before had denied him three times. And Jesus looked him in the, the eye and he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter was saying, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Be about the thing that I created you to be. Take care of my body. Fulfill your call. Do what you're supposed to do. I made you for this. Do we love him? Then we need to feed his sheep. Do we love him? We need to be everything that he had in mind for us to be from the time that he made us and link arms together and feed his sheep, take care of his people, change the world. We can do that if we're listening to him, if we're growing in him, if we're being what he wants us to be, and then we're linking arms with each other. We can make a huge difference. He wants us to feed his sheep. He wants us to make a difference in the world. Each and every one of you are his gift. He will not waste you. He will get you where you need to be. If we submit that, that we have, who we are, what we're doing, the dead-end job that you feel like you're in, the scratch in the head, the confusion on what should I do, what, what should I do with this degree, what, wherever you're at, submit that to him, and he's the one that will make your pastry. That's his job. He will get you where you need to go. Why don't you stand your feet this morning? Let's lift our voices together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. As always, we'd like to remind you of God's blessing for your life. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you safe in His arms. May he make his beautiful face shine on you. May he be gracious to you. May you be guided by his grace. May he turn his countenance towards you so that no matter what you're facing or dealing with, you know that he is looking at you with great love. And may he give you peace, a peace that passes what you can understand or comprehend. May it guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. As always, um, our prayer team will be here at the front to, if you need prayer for anything. And then also we'd like to remind you to sign up for the Awaken workshop. You can sign up in the connection booth. Go in peace today. Have a good one.